Happy February, everybody. We made it through the first month of 2019. Congratulations. You made it. If this is your first time hearing my voice, I am Natalie Pierre-Lewis, the host of The Business Of. The Business Of is a podcast where I interview entrepreneurs in unique areas of industry to provide behind-the-scenes info about the regular, everyday business issues that they deal with. Um, The Business Of is an offshoot of my business, MPL Consulting, a business formation firm. You might ask what that is. Well, I'm very glad that you asked. My company specializes in helping new and aspiring entrepreneurs set up their business paperwork and learn business and legal concepts that are necessary to have a successful business. I have many products and services for entrepreneurs like yourself, and you can check out all the things that I do at linktree forward slash NPL consulting firm. One of the major things that I'm planning is a, an intellectual property webinar that is happening on March 20th. So if you are interested in trademarks, copyrights, or patents, you're going to want to get your ticket for this webinar, and you can get that at protectyourbiz2019.eventbrite.com. Tickets start at just $11. So uh, get your tickets. Now on to the show. This month, um, I usually introduce the people that I interview, you know, give them a little background, but this person was a mystery to me, so I'm just going to jump into the actual interview, and you'll understand why this person was a mystery to me, so enjoy the show. Hello, everybody in podcast land. This is a very special episode with uh, Jay Mills. Um, The reason why this is a special episode is because I don't really know what Jay Mills does. <laughs> I have experienced Jay Mills through um, several different avenues. The first time I met her in real life was at her photography studio. I have seen her run for public office. I have seen her do concerts. She is an amazing musician. She does fashion. She, you know, is involved in educating the masses about the uses of cannabis and its benefits. Um, So she is a woman of many talents and jobs, and I don't know exactly what it is she does. So today we're (laughs) going to find out what that is and how she does it all. (laughs) So the first thing I want to say is thank you, Jay Mills, for taking the time to talk to me. Um, I, the first person who introduced me to you was Ashley Stafford and she was like, oh, you should get to know Jay Mills. She's really cool. And I tried to friend you on Facebook and Facebook wasn't letting me friend you. So you could only follow her. She got too many friends. So, you know, I followed and I watched you and you do so many things. So can you please tell the audience exactly who is Jay Mills and what does she do? I'm the real Jay Mills. <laughs> known as that because of my uh, career as an artist. My name is Jamila. And when I started doing my music, I was a poet and I went by my name, Jamila. But people people have always called me Jay Mills or Mills. Like my friends from high school, shout out to my homegirl Candace. She's called me Mills since before Jay Mills was a thing. So, uh, Shout out in advance to my man all day in the paint, Dre, who uh, started the DMV Awards many years ago. And in the first DMV Awards, Jamila and Jay Mills were both nominated. And neither one of us won because it's like the voters split, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was that year that I was like, man, the people keep calling me this to the point where they're like, you're gonna, they're going to call me whatever. Your name's Jamila. I'm going to call you Jay Mills. I'm going to be Jay Mills. And the public dubbed you Jay <clears throat> Yeah, so have you had your J today? Pass the J has been my mantra for over a decade. Long before weed was legal, I was talking about it openly. You know, now the word for that is an advocate, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so happy to be in the cannabis industry, in the place where I am doing the things that I do to continue just to be an example, you know? So tell us what are some of those things that you do? Because I know that you you teach people about cannabis, but what specifically do you do? Why do people come to you for their cannabis needs or questions? Well, I started working, um, shout out to my government ID. Uh, (laughs) 
I started working at the largest cultivation center in DC uh, when it first opened. As soon as it got its license to conduct business, that's when I started working there. I was the first person hired. I was the only person working there for the first three to four months that it was in operation. I planted the first seeds. I grew the first several batches. Um, I maintained the garden when it was at 500 plants. Uh, in retrospect, I really didn't think too much of it. Like everything I did, I just kind of did as it, as it came. I didn't set out saying, oh, I want to be the first African-American female grower, the first manager, the first, you know, to do these things in the nation's capital. You know, it feels, it sounds different when people say that, you know, but when you're a black person who's making different types of strides, that, that is what it ends up being. Um, but the knowledge that I gained was so, so valuable. And when I first started working there, back when it was just me and the boss, a very good friend of mine was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And he did not do cannabis before coming to me at all, you know, and he kind of came like on a, I, this is it. <laughs> I got to try this. He was already doing chemo. Um, so I asked my boss, like, yo, how does weed cure cancer? Cut the shit. You know, I know y'all know the answer. I know it works. And he broke down, you know, how cannabis works with the body, the endocannabinoid system, what, what components of it are the cancer fighting things. We're basically saying that, you know, all cannabis has the potential to cure cancer, you know? So in the Green Life Learning Center, in forming this company to educate people, just as I was educated, you know, I was very, very passionate and I just immediately saw the keys. You know, I saw how we've been using this herb to medicate ourselves ignorantly, not even knowing what it is or why it is that you choose this weed. Why does this one smell like this and this one smell like that? And how am I going to know what kind of high it's going to have? Am I going to have the giggles? Am I going to focus? If I'm going to go to sleep, am I going to stay up all night? You know, what kind of indicators are there? How do you, how do you know? Um, that's also what, what caused me to have this job and, and move along in it because I have this passion that's not, it's not about being around, uh, forest full of weed. I've been there. I've literally went to California, been to the mountains, been all of in these places to see how cannabis is grown in these different places, been to the farms to see the original parents of a lot of these things, you know. It's funny because people have all these different flavors now, you know, the shablato, this and all these different things. But knowing what I know about cannabis, it's like, man, the need of education is against so much because we don't, we don't know what the point of the plan is, you know? Um, so yeah, I work at the cultivation center starting as a grower and matriculating all the way through the ranks. I mean, when we first started working there, the greenhouse was still being built. So overseeing all of those processes, seeing through each inspection of what, the, what we had to have and to work at a facility that was at the top, like this is the top, this is the best, this is the standard, this is, our facility is what's setting the standards for how cannabis should be grown, for how it should be organically, you know, fertilized and such, and showing how it should be handled, you know, setting these manufacturing principles that were not in place, you know, everything from wearing a face mask while you're breaking it down and having the gloves and all of these things, um, to us having our own lab and testing our own flowers to make sure that what we're given is the highest quality and, you know, safe medicine. So, again, when people come to me to ask questions about the cannabis industry, my knowledge base is from the corporate side, it's from the independent entrepreneur side, and it also comes with results. So you literally know cannabis inside and out. Inside and out. Okay. <laughs> and how did you know that th this cannabis education was something that you wanted to incorporate with all of your many entrepreneurial ventures? Because some people, you know, they have knowledge, but they don't necessarily want to teach or, or they don't know how to teach. You know, it may not be their calling. 
So how did you know that this was your was part of your calling? I'm going to say part um, because we're going to talk about all the aspects of who did know this. I'm, I'm just thankful for my mom and my dad allowing me to dream for myself and never to think that anything was outside of my reach. Uh, I remember being very young, learning about this man who was Hagen dazs ice cream taster. And it was on this random... I remember reading about him. Yeah, yeah, right? He tests ice cream with the golden spoon. And I was just blown away, like, yo, how you get to be an ice cream taster? I love ice cream. What the... How did I miss this? Why didn't I? What? So it, it just started me thinking about that. And then I thought about, like... um. I thought about how we watch on all these different TV shows, these people who are just living their dream. You just travel the world drinking beer and going to eat hamburgers, you know, judging chicken wings around the world. Like, what? You know, I, I, I took classes in anthropology at Howard also. That's the other seed for this dream in terms of what I do now as a brand ambassador with the Cultivation Center, testing the bud doing market analysis for cannabis, applying all of these different skill sets to live what is essentially a dream job. Like I get paid to smoke <laughs> or eat or vape <laughs> and test this cannabis out and write about it, you know? Um, it's like ice cream tasting. <laughs> hey, you, you got your dream ice cream tasting job. I did. <laughs> um, but yeah, in anthropology at Howard, that's where they really nailed into us the importance of, of telling your own story. You know, and we can't be mad when, the, when we're not the own, our authors for our own story. And within our culture, and by our, I mean, if you subscribe to us versus them, these paradigms that were in European culture, Western culture, permeating the rest of the world differences. Um, we have a very secret nature about us culturally, where it's almost like a secret rites of passage. Or you have to go through some things and if you don't get it, you can't be in the club, you know? Um, there are a lot of different reasons why this has happened within the black community. It was especially exacerbated also definitely because of colonialism and this feeling that if you tell somebody how to do it, they're going to steal, steal it or kill you, take you. There's nothing sacred. You know, if they find out how to do that thing that you can do, or if they even find out that there's this thing that's amazing, we protect it whether it's our culture, our art, our food, the recipes, our clothes, who did our hair, we don't share That's very true. our life. Right. And, and when we're in these secret places, when I went to the Groves, when I went to Cali, when I went to Jamaica, when I went to Vegas, when I go to these different places, it is not in my mind to pull out my phone and take pictures. It was never in my mind. And it's so mind-blowing to me that, like, right now, weed is illegal federally, but we have weed shows on Netflix. Some people are allowed to do it and put it across the FCC, put it on, and they're, they're okay. But subconsciously, I know that if it was Black people doing it, we all know that. That's why we're not doing it. As much edibles as we have, as much weed as we smoke, the face of the weed industry is largely Caucasian. They're telling this story. They have the permission to tell the story. So, so do, you, do you consider yourself the ambassador for our story in the cannabis space? Sure, one of them. Okay. That's all I can do, you know? Like, forget who's following or who wants to do what I'm doing or who else is doing it. I'm just... I'm. I'm telling my story in the best way that I can. I would love for everyone to be into it, for everyone to start a blog, like whatever you love to do, talk about it, be passionate about it, write about it, make it real. Cause anything is possible, it's the information age. You know, any of us can do whatever we wanted to do, whatever you love to do. Ever you love to do. I'm thinking about it right now, like, hey man, I could go around the world eating chicken. 
Okay. I could go around the world and the, and have a whole TV show trying chicken from different countries and different. How do you make your show? This is some, now. This is the best chicken. Okay. Okay. You got it, Peru. I watch it. I like chicken. <laughs> I, <wanna laughs> I saw there's a dude who does that for steaks. He travels the world for steaks. I want to go to Argentina because according to him, there's a steak they eat with a spoon. It's so tender. Ooh, Lord, I'm just that. Anything is possible. Oh, okay. Anything is possible, but even with passion, we know that there are basic business things that you have to take care of. There's structure that you have to have in place, even if it's your dream job. Yes. So talk to us about those things within the cannabis space. What are the things that you have to deal with? What are the issues that you deal with as a business owner, even with your with this dream position? Um, taking it that seriously and understanding that it's still work. It's always work. It's always work. Um, it's writing, you know? Like, when you work for yourself, you are your boss. And you are your employee. And so often, people work harder for somebody else than they do for themselves. I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep it real. For me, I'm a horrible employee. I would have fired me if I wasn't me working for me. I'd be like, bitch, you did nothing <laughs> all day. You literally did nothing. You just, you just sent off this email, that's it, all day. Go fuck around on Facebook. <laughs> literally, I come in, you still on Instagram? You're just sitting there scrolling, huh? You're just sitting there and scroll. Horrible employee. I have to work very hard to stick to my work, to really write these reports, to smoke and be high and be focused. <laughs> That is a talent. That is a talent. You know, to <laughs> and stay, <a> skill. <laughs> staying consistent, you know, mm -hmm. keeping up with all of the different promotions. And I think the biggest, biggest challenge for anybody in the cannabis industry, but from what I understand, this is just a problem, period. And it's human resources. But I found it to be even harder in the cannabis industry because of the nature of the industry itself. Um, Shout out to Howard, School of B, whoop, whoop. and what we learn about, you know, human behavior and, and things like that. Um, you know, like if you work for a bank, you got to fill out a personality test. There are certain positions that you have to fill out a personality test for to make sure that you're in the right one. To get in the army, you got to take the ASVAB. They want to make sure you're in the right, the right branch and whatnot. And for cannabis, it's very difficult to screen and to get good employees for a number of reasons. Number one, if they use weed, they break the law. They have no problem breaking the law. They break rules. What's your rule if they'll break the law? You ain't even the police. <laughs> so there is highly likely that they have their own moral set of values and will do what they see is best. So interesting. Not necessarily what serves the company best. Okay. Wow, what an interesting dichotomy. Also, weed is work. Work is weed. Because it's non-traditional, we have weed meetings where people may get high, there may be lots of alcohol, it might be at a strip club, you might have a conference in Vegas, MJ BizCon. You know, so how can you stay focused? Are you going to stay focused? Everybody doesn't stay focused, but your own personal decorum. And even if you are focused, are your employees going to stay focused? Are they going to continue to represent the company well? Are they, are they going to smoke too much, drink too much, and be completely useless? Are they going to respect the job? Are they going to come there high and... You know, are they going to actually be a good employee? So I'm assuming these are things that you have actually dealt with as a, both a coworker and, a, and an, uh, an employer. Definitely. Definitely. Wow. But yeah, within the cannabis industry specifically, it's like, dang. A lot, it's to the point where a lot of uh, cannabis uh, businesses don't want to hire somebody who actually smokes. But then that's another set of problems because... Who wants to buy weed from somebody who doesn't know weed? Right. How you gonna sell it to me? You don't even know what it is. Right. 
Wow. I did not even think about that in terms of like, even though it's the product that you're, that you're dealing with, you know, being wary of those who partake in the product. Very interesting. Um, okay. So cannabis aside, you, that uh, I want to come back to that in a little bit. I also want to talk about the other ventures that you have. So the other day we were all at a friend's house and we were watching one of your concerts. And I, because I'm a nerd, I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is like a really big production. Like how, you know, I was asking about the cameras and I was asking about the video editing and, you know, the backup scenes. And like, how do you maintain all of that? Not only being the performer in these concerts, but managing backup singers and musicians and finding a venue and, you know, vid videography and sound. That's a lot. <laughs> that is a lot. It is. So how do you as an entrepreneur <laughs> you say you like that. do that? And then as well, you're maintaining that along with this, with your, um, with your cannabis consultancy. Um, it just feeds one into itself, you know. Um, I just thank God for the universe placing all of these skills in my life and making it all make sense. I went to school for recording engineering. Okay. Uh, shout out to Omega in Rockville. I went there for Pro Tools, pre and post production. So that's one audio engineering. And then I went to work at Crampton. I was a sound engineer for Crampton. Um, had the wonderful opportunity to do monitors for Janelle Monet. I worked on really great productions. Um, firsthand seeing how it's all built, all the all of the different nuances that go to doing a major production. Um, and then also, you know, the whole editing skills, already having that under my belt. So that was 2005 <laughs> that I was doing all that. Um, so the Beautiful Mind has been a project that's been in my heart since I was 19. Um, That's what the beautiful mind is, because they 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 right. <laughs> we are all being introduced to Jamie's today. So <laughs> let them know what the beautiful mind project is, at least for my audience. Um, the beautiful mind is a collection. It's the soundtrack of my life. Okay. It is six EPs by me, and a seventh one that is all written by me, that explain the evolution of my mind. Uh, chapter one is the good years. That's about like falling in love with hip hop, you know, um, where it's a Queen Latifah, Sister Soldier, and like Public Enemy. That was my first raptivist. Like, man, you a rapper and you protesting and you using your music to take down the government, arrest the president. Yes. That's, that's, ooh. That's in there, you know. Yeah, that's girl. Come out with a song today. Hey, <laughs> I got songs. What I do? So um, there's that, and then chapter two is called Nina Ross, and that's because right out of that you had Lil Kim, like Junior Mafia, and for me it was the the, the innocence of hip hop, and then like my coming of age, it's like hip hop grew up with me, like. It got real gangster, real, real quick. It went from being something fun and fresh prints to Bob Deep, you know? <laughs> you know Wu-Tang. Bob Deep was one of the first albums I bought with my own money. Right. <laughs> it's, it's just crazy how it all changed. And then Nina Ross is an alter ego. That's that's the bad girl. That was the, oof, that's the whole story yeah, I, of her life. If you have not experienced Jay Mills, concerts they uh, she does them online they're amazing she you got costume changes yeah because it's a different look you yeah. know like the good years i had the box braids nina ross was blonde then there's the love story that was the purple hair and the tutu and just mm. this is all one concert y'all this is not several concerts this is one concert you see all yeah. of these different looks one night many looks yes um so <clears> it's an art exhibit as well as music it's yeah not, you know, and I, I, I mean, I, I saw it all clearly. Again, this has been in my brain this whole time, even before I lived through these chapters. Um, After Love Story was the gift. That was about me realizing in real life through writing these poems about in and out of love. I, that's how Jay Mills, like those are my best songs. That's what people love when I rap about love, man. 
heartbreak is is the biggest seller. It's a shame. People love the drama. They love it messy. It's a bomb for your soul. But um, <laughs> the gift is just straight bars. It's just me rapping because the beat is hot. Just rhyming for the fuck of it. And then after that is Say La Vie. Um, that was me just smoking, drinking, in the club. Rap is my life. I'm a rapper. You know. And then came knowledge. Was me realizing like, yo, you, where you started, like you need that social responsibility. What are you doing? You just, this is, this is music. This is what it's supposed to be for. And the last chapter is called uh, New Moon. And I play the piano. I've been playing since I was four. I write music, I compose, I'm classically trained and I write songs. And I want to do like on a Quincy Jones type drink, you know, where, yeah. <laughs> where I got my favorite artist singing the songs that I wrote and I get my full arrangement for it. So, yeah, long answer, but that's it. That's <laughs> You're like, how did this all happen? No, it came naturally. I, like, want, I wanna look at this, what, what, what this happened? show is about is showing people that your passion is, doesn't just have to be a passion. Your passion can be your job, it can be your career. And I want people to understand where it comes from that it's not, what I found in interviewing everybody I've interviewed is nobody started out doing it for the money. Everybody started out doing it for the love and the money came later. And exploring <clears throat> that in different entrepreneurs is, is what I find I enjoy, enjoy most is seeing like how they took this, you know, thing mm -hmm. that was like a burning desire in their heart and made it something real. Yeah, I think that's, that's the key for longevity. You gotta do it because you love it. Um, cause you really, really love it and be comfortable with that journey. Some people are focused in the money. And when it comes to music, I, I, I look at it like they're artists and they're entertainers. And only when you're both are you an icon. This works for anything. There's an art to business. There's an art to science. There's an there's a art to being good at what you do. But every artist is not successful. Some of the greatest people are in a basement somewhere or some small place that you never heard of. This entertainment is about being recognized or the money or whatever it is. Entertainment is the external things. You want this job because of the prestige, you know? And again, whatever the industry is, you see those people. You just want to be a doctor because you want to be called a doctor, but the whole time you don't like people. You a teacher because that's the job you got and you just know that they're gonna pay for you to get your masters, but you don't like children. The fuck, you waiting tables. <laughs> you hate it, but you need the money. Like you will not be happy unless you are truly happy at what you do. You is that's 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 it. That's and can you say that? in this space where you are now at the intersection of all these projects that you are happy with. Finally, and it's so crazy. Like other people look and they're like, how? And I'm just like, thanks, like this all makes sense. Of course I'm a rapper named Jay Mills who's hashtag past the J. Have you had your J today? What do I do during the day? How do I make my money? I sell weed legally because I went to Howard for business. Like, ah, of course, what else? Why else would I have smoked all of this weed all of my life openly? What else could I do? Yeah, and I'm running for public office. Why? Let's talk about that. How did, how did that come up? Because I remember seeing all over Instagram, you got your political pictures. And I remember even after the election was over and you were talking about how much you had learned about the political process. Yeah. So what got you into the race in the first place? So for those of you that don't know, we're in the D.C. area, and Jay Mills ran yeah. for D.C. council member. I ran for, not council. Oh, council. Not yet. Oh, so everybody keeps speaking that blessing on my life. Speak it. Um, no, I ran for the Ward 5 uh, committee woman of the Democratic State Committee. Okay. So my homegirl, Nikki. Hey, Nikki. Marie Georgina. Lewis. Um, <clears throat> she asked me to run because uh, she was running for the National Committee Woman spot as a part of the slate called Dump Trump. So I was like, yo, wait, what? 
all of these words are English, but they don't make sense to me. You're running for a national committee woman of the Democratic State. This is a lot of words. What is that? And a slate dump Trump. What is a slate? Like, it was so over my head. And when she explained it to me, I was like, yo, I'm going to run because one, I'm smart as fuck. And I didn't know that. And if I don't know it, I know a whole lot of people don't even know what this is, that this is a thing, that this is a something you vote for, or what even, what so, do they do? What was it that she was writing? Because I don't know what you Right, the Democratic State Committee is a collection of civilians, not, it's not supposed to be politicians, but anyway, so it's a committee of people who oversee the elected officials. So there's a Democratic State Committee and there's a Republican State Committee. And literally, once your officials have been elected, this is who they're beholden to. You got a problem like, yo, you're not, I voted for you and you're not doing what you're supposed to do. You come to the Democratic State Committee meeting and air your grievance and they take that on and make sure that your grievance is like, they're who make sure the citizens are heard. You know what I mean? They are the checks and balances. They are the check and balance. Yes. Yes. So in DC, this position had been quietly filled by other politicians who then voted to suspend elections and had held this position for the past 12 years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So they basically had written themselves into permanent office. And nobody even knew because we don't even know what that is to even be checking for what it's doing, who's in it, when are they meeting, like, I was like, oh, what? yeah, I'm gonna run, girl, yeah, I'm gonna run. You want some attention drawn to this thing? I'll do it. Of course I will. I will use the power vested in me. <laughs> so you ran essentially out of curiosity and wanting to find out more, it seems like. Yeah, You were man. like, I don't know what this is, and I need to find out, so let me get it. <clears throat> yeah so you know and finding out about this man we we had them scared we agitate 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 they were they changed the name of their slate to be something like dump trumpy but it wasn't actually it was like dems for action or i don't remember what it was um in my ward i got more votes than Kenyon mcduffie's chief of staff the person who got the most votes, shout outs to Miss Romaine, uh, she's been in that position for 53 years. She's the oldest member of the Democratic State Committee. She's like on some Eleanor Holmes Norton. As long as she's running, she's winning, period. My running mate ended up teaming up with her. So that was that. <laughs> I was very happy to still get over 20% of a War 5 vote, almost 30%. That's a significant percentage. Yeah, man. On the humble, like I didn't even use all of my connections. I didn't go on Fox 5. I didn't go on the radio. I didn't do all these different things because, yo, politics is dirty. And people really came to me with some low-key threats. Like, Weed is federally illegal. What you think you're about to be a public servant and work in the weed business? Charted. <laughs> so these are actual like elected officials or their representatives who came to you and tried to dissuade you from running? Real conversation, basically, not even on a dissuading for running, not even a threat that I can even quote or try to direct their way. Smart moves, just statements and allow me to do the mathematics, you know? Um, cause I'm, I'm an agitator. I'm asking people questions. I'm holding them accountable. And again, what I, what I saw was how easy we can overturn this whole thing because we're not voting and they count on us not voting and life goes on. We choose not to vote. We only show up 17% of the city is who actually turns out to vote. Good for them. They don't care. That means that they only have to campaign for certain things. We see this with the president. They don't care about the whole country. They spend their whole time in swing states. Mm -hmm. Democrats don't care about Democrats in like the state of Arizona because it's a red state. No point. What do we? That's not where the votes matter. So, with your experience in the 
in running for politics, do you think that you would ever run for another position or even this position? If I got married, I would definitely run for council. Why married? Uh, it's politics. I can explain. <laughs> but politics, like they have like spouse events. It's like, if, if you're a person of color, for sure, you gotta have, and you're a woman, you need to have a fiance, husband, strong, significant other. What about me? Wife. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know she was married. Okay. I didn't know. You need a partner. I feel like she never talks about it. Okay. All right. You don't have to. That's just, oh, you just need to have one. Yep. Okay. <laughs> and religious affiliation. Okay. You need, you need the church support. Okay. And those were things that you didn't go into the election. Oh, I have a church. I'm just not married. And that's what I would do for council. But for that position, I wouldn't, the only reason why I wouldn't run again is just because I've learned my lesson and I realized that I can be very effective by backing politicians I agree with. So I look forward to endorsing somebody who's running for something. Because you do have a lot of um, clout within the community, not just the Kansas community, but just DC in general, like ask pretty much anybody they know who Jay Mills is in some capacity. Um, yeah. So as guys, that was a very long, you know, that was very long, but it was really necessary for me because as long as I've been observing Jay Mills, I really didn't know all of the things that she's involved with and her history, you know, and all this knowledge that she has within her. So thank you so much for talking to us about that. But now I want to transition into, um, your experiences and how, what other entrepreneurs can learn from you. Like, what would you say to a young Jane Mills when she was starting off in her entrepreneurial journey? Believe in yourself, Mills. Use your talents for yourself first. Stop trying to hold the door open for other people when you haven't walked through the door yourself. And can you elaborate a little bit on that? Because like, <laughs> like, I think I, I understand what you're saying. I think I get what you're saying, but I, I want to hear it in your words. Um, which part? I mean, when you're saying that, you know, holding the door open for other people when you haven't gone through yourself. Um, thinking about a lot of things that I've built based on my own fan base uh, as a way to put on other people who are in who are my peers in the industry um i've always done that i always love to do that i i mean you you know off off the record or whatever be, beforehand uh with the uh viewing party where jared was talking about how like i always do this but i do i love curating places where a bunch of dope people are all around because I feel like we're a constellation and we shine brighter that way. Um, but subliminally, I think a lot of my moves earlier were not so much because of building something for me. It was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm doing this for you and you're going to do something for me. I was looking to be paid back. I was looking to see, okay, well, now this person's doing this. I invite them to my thing. They're going to invite me to theirs. We're going to have like this whole, and it was not being paid back. It was not, I didn't see the support. You know, I didn't see them building so that what I built would be greater. It seemed like they were either taking or, you know, their silence was trying to stagnate it. Okay. So, so you essentially, Providing opportunities for people before you provide opportunities for yourself. Yeah. Okay. I I I, I understand that because it's like you see your friends and you want you want to see them succeed and if you have and and you want to try and get them there but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to know what to do with that opportunity when they get it. Yeah. Yeah. So you know it's 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 a lot of ways that manifest if you have someone you're featuring and like they don't support it they don't share it they don't post about it they don't tell nobody about it. They don't spread the word at all. They just show up by themselves, late, 
<laughs> something like that, you know. Um, but I changed perspectives and doing it all for me. First, I want to do this because I want to put on something dope for my fans. And if you choose to bring yours or you don't want to share or you don't want, you don't have to do anything. Actually, you just come and you're dope. And that's that's all I need. You know, you can't fool the universe. You really got to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do from the right place in your heart. Keep, stay focused. It's okay to be selfish. Amen. And you're a good person. It's hard to put yourself first because you're taught that that's wrong. But um, yeah, I would definitely tell young me to put yourself first. This is a necessary step. I wrote these promises to myself in order to be selfish. One, knowing that what makes me happy is making other people happy. And I know that. So it's okay to make myself happy because what makes me happy is making somebody else happy. Sometimes making somebody else happy can make me unhappy. That's where I gotta draw the line. And it can be difficult to do that, especially if it's somebody that you care about. Yep. It's very hard because I don't want to be the reason why someone else is unhappy. But you also don't want to be unhappy yourself. I got to live with me. And being a person that has these different talents and I know that, you know, I can lend my light, I can lend my thing to help your thing grow just having the discernment, you know, running for office, that took away from the green life. It took away from other things to now put this energy behind something else, you know? Um, so just being mindful of everything that, that happens and the, the strength of my word and my brand and knowing that I need to, I need to do this for me because doing this for me is going to bless other people. The more blessings I get, the more jobs I can create, the more charitable things I can do. People talk about the love of money. It's not the love of the money. That's evil. It's what do you want to do with the money? And fall in love with that. I'm in love with helping people. That's another thing. Good people, they want to stay away from money. I don't want to get paid. It's not about the money. It's not about have faith, speak that into existence, trust the universe, tell it, it's about the money. Show me the money, give me the money, I need them funds. Call it, yes, claim it. I need that money so I can be a blessing. I need that money so I can give this. I need that money so I can change the world. Yeah, call it, cause you, you blocking it when you say you don't want it, like the money on its way, you're like, I don't want the money, okay. <laughs> I thought you wanted the money. Let me go on. That's true. That manifest way. Yeah, positivity is, is is very difficult to manifest, but when you it, it goes, you are worthy. I would tell my younger self, you are worthy, Bills. You are worthy of the attention. You try to help these other folks. You are worthy. You deserve all of your time. Because entrepreneurship is not for people who have no self-esteem. It's a balance, though, because part of the low self-esteem or the not is what pushes you to greatness. If you were content where you were, you wouldn't try and change anything. So, yeah, you got some self-esteem issues. It comes along with that entrepreneurship. That's why you couldn't settle, because you knew, like, this ain't, this is not it. This is not it. This is not enough. This is not for me. I have to do more. And other people will look and be like, you're so great. You're already you're doing this, but you inside was like, nah, I got more to do. But, you know, balancing those things and that energy in the right direction is work. <laughs> you look wistful. No, I'm, I'm just thinking because, you know, in my own, I, I've, I've been an entrepreneur for about a year and a half now. And seeing where I came from, being kind of timid to talk about my business, to walking in the room being, this is what I do, mm -hmm. this is why you need me, and mm -hmm. understanding how to, you know, have that balance between being humble, but also being very confident in your abilities and letting the world know that you have them. And also being confident enough to say, yes, I want to help you, but you're going to pay me for it. Yeah. that can be difficult. Man, what? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, 
but that that is uh like that's such an important thing for young entrepreneurs to know is that you need to believe in yourself and you need to just like you you got you gotta you you have to be your biggest fan you must you You gotta be if you aren't who will who will like this next step of of growth for me i realized oh it's 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 a lot of it's a lot of work so what is this next step what are what are the coming accomplishments and goals for jay mills the next step is like where do you see yourself five years ten years from now what do you want to see your empire looking like traveling the world doing what i love being known as an authority in cannabis you know judging strains and breeds and testing out flowers all over the planet making music living life you have your own james festival yes <laughs> the green light festival <laughs> yes yeah, I'll, be I'll be there <laughs> like, like yes the green light festival is the thing and it is coming it's coming y'all 2020 the green light festival you heard it first um <laughs> i'm already, already reserving my ticket y'all so. yes yes <laughs> all right manifesting greatness like the whole worthiness and focus and consistency you can't trick the universe you know so i'm just thankful for the work that i do inside manifesting and bringing great things to me you know thankful for the friends i always talk about i call everybody sister co-star reminding them of their celestial greatness but i, I really look at the, the universe and how the stars interact on a celestial level with what reality is for us as human beings here on this planet as stars personified and the only stars that are named are constellations it's billions in the sky but we name certain ones why do we name these constellations because they appear to be brighter but why are these stars brighter i watched this show some years ago yo the stars are bright because they're not one star they're actually star clusters Oh, you know that? Know. You're familiar with like Orion's belt, right? That's like the most visible, I feel like, constellation for everybody. That's what this is about, y'all. If you don't believe me, look it up. Orion's belt. You think it's three stars. It is not. There are three star clusters. There's like dozens of stars in each one of these clusters. And that was that's the case with every constellation. And I think about that with a lot of people's illusions to what it takes to be great. You're already a star. You just you can be a star shining as a point in the sky somewhere. You know, we hear the sun, we out in the back stretches of the galaxy, all of them the, the furthest arm away. You got these rocks circling all around you. It's too hot, it's too cold. You know, it, it's cool being the sun, but the reality is to be a constellation surrounded by stars. That's the only way you get to be named. You need a team of stars, you need to be surrounded by stars. So many stars connected with so many other stars, connected by another group of stars, so that they have to name y'all collectively. So shout out to that. You a star. Introduced by a star. <laughs> Sitting here with star. Yeah, Nicole, for bringing such wonderful people into my life. Yeah. Um, what advice do you have for an entrepreneur who wants to follow in your footsteps or just has their own dream, but they are scared and they don't or they just don't know if it's something feasible or that they can sustain themselves with? Um, advice I have for entrepreneur who wants to follow in my footsteps is to just be serious about business. To be very serious about business. Uh, shout out to everything that you do. You know, know what type of corporation you need to form. Um, know about branding know about your intellectual property and being just up to date with business marketing customer retention methods um when people come to me about business and, and ideas with cannabis like 
treated like any other thing. There's not that much of a difference. We fail at business often. Most businesses fail, period. You know, so my advice for if you're scared, don't be scared because the fact that you even want to do it puts you in and above the rest. Most of other people, they're more content with the stability of what has been given to them than with the possibility of what they can get for themselves. So have faith in yourself. You believe you can? You can! <laughs> Write it down and do it! <laughs> That's it. Do it. You waiting for a sign? This is it. Do it. Do it. Do it. That, the, those, do it. those are the words of advice that she's leaving. Do it. With. So now before we sign off, tell everybody everywhere and anywhere that they can find you any events you have coming up yes. within yes. the next couple of months because these are released monthly. So, okay. Um, it's your girl, Jay Mills. And you can catch me at www.therealjmills.com. That's J-A-Y-M-I-L-L-S. Yes, The Real J Mills. Don't forget The Real and don't forget The J Mills. That's also on Instagram, I'm The Real J Mills. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm The Real J Mills. If you want to look me up on Facebook, I'm The Real J Mills. Want to listen to my music? Go to SoundCloud, The Real J Mills. Want to see some videos? Go to YouTube, The Real J Mills. <laughs> That's the J.com for all my weed reviews. Well, that's a lot of places you can find her, so don't ever say that you can't find her. Um, thank you so much again, Jane Mills. This was a wonderful conversation. Yeah, man, this is dope. I hope you guys understand now why I didn't do the guest intro because uh, Jay Mills really has to introduce herself with the uh, her many projects and her path to entrepreneurship. Uh, so I hope that you found a lot of gems in this interview just like I did. Um, all of her information, Jay Mills that is, will be in the show notes. And uh, surprise for you guys, I am going to experiment with releasing episodes bi-weekly now. Uh, I really want this podcast to benefit as many people as possible. And I think that the best way to do that is to give you guys more content. So look out for an episode in two weeks. See ya. Bye.